Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, and you and I are listening to the Work For It podcast, where the emphasis is on business in the workshop. You can support these guys for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year, and show your support by going to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That won't even buy two gallons of gasoline here in California. You might as well support these guys like I do so they can help us all work for it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ben, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. I will not be on the show again this week, unfortunately. I am here in the hills of Pennsylvania, where the internet is not exactly as good as I would like it to be. And we're having some issues today on top of that. But I wanted to get this message, everybody, and let you know that I'm still kicking, and I'll be back on the show real soon. Hope everybody had an awesome holiday season and you're getting ready for the big New Year's Eve celebration. New Year's usually means goals and planning for the future. I know I've been doing a fair bit of that back here while I'm relaxing with family and friends. And remember to give yourself a break every now and then. By God, you've earned it. You've been working your ass off. So give yourself some slack. Give yourself a break. Spend some time with family, spend some time with friends, and be ready to crush it in the new year. Hope everybody's doing well. We'll talk to you real soon. And remember, get out there and work for it, baby. Can you believe that he pulled all of that bullshit off, like completely, like without writing any of it down? It's unbelievable (laughs) to me that that Ben is able to spew all of those beautiful words without any, like, it's like basically, what do we ask him like 10 minutes ago to do that? <laughs> Not even that. It was like five minutes ago. And it's like, Oh, got it. <laughs> Freaking amazing. That's why he's on our show. Well, Absolutely. we appreciate you, Ben. This show and all future shows, all past shows is sponsored in part by maritime knife supply.com. And Baker Forge and Tool. BakerForge.com is Baker Forge and Tool's website. Maritime Knife Supply, you can get just about anything you, you need to work on any knife project, knife-related project, crafting projects. I was on their website. I got a couple of very friendly people who sent me Maritime Knife Supply gift certificates this year for Christmas. Thank you, Brian and Lawrence for your contribution to my making. I also I, want to say thank you to both of them because I also got one. Thank you both. Thank you. They're great, right? There's yeah. And so I promptly went on the website and bought a bunch of handle material, bought some abrasives. I spent the money within like like 10 minutes of receiving all this stuff. I spent <laughs> it and I and I was like, "Dude, this is the coolest thing cuz I don't buy stuff like that for myself enough." Like when people send me stuff like that, by the way, this is not me asking for this. Please do not send me this. I like that's not what I'm doing here. I'm you just can definitely that. send whatever you want to me. I, I'm, you know, Brian. <laughs> if, if you want, right, support Brian. Support Brian. He's getting started. He's buying a house. He's very oh, poor shit. right Come now. On now. <laughs> and so go to maritimeknifesupply.com. Check out what they've got to offer because Lawrence is a, a maker, so he can answer your questions. They got tooling. They've got abrasives. They've got handle material, steel. All of that is. Available at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. We appreciate what you guys are doing over there. And then on the flip side, if you want to get yourself some of the best freaking 
metal, the steel, the the Q mice, the bronze mice, the chevrons, the the, the the creativity that comes out of Baker Forge and Tool. If you're not familiar with them, go find them on YouTube. Go find them on Instagram. Baker Forge and Tool under those both of those names on all of those social media platforms, including TikTok. Or go to their website, BakerForge.com. They put together some of the most amazing, like they take all of the hard work out of creating amazing patterns in Damascus steel. And you can look like, a, a real knife maker <laughs> if you want you can buy this shit and go like holy God. it's unbelievable what they're able to put together over there so go check out baker forge and and baker forge and tool at bakerforge.com if you use wfi10 get this wfi10 gets you 10 percent off your purchase and here's the thing they just did a huge year-end drop of a ton of new steels that they've formulated from old steels, like pieces and parts, and put it all together, and they're having a sale, that 10% off sale, but it was only good for Wednesday. And this doesn't come out till Thursday, but here's the thing. If you use WFI 10 today, you can get the same deal. It's like exclusivity here. Yeah, man. Yes, that's it. All right. All right, man. I gotta start listening to my doctor. I'm just I'm getting too out of control over this stuff. Well, I mean, it's such great deals over there, and like I'm currently working with some Baker Forge and Tool steel, and it grinds so easy. I mean, it's it's intimidating because it's an expensive piece of material, but if you just blindfolded yourself, you would think that it grinds easier than any other steel out there. I don't know what it is about it. It just it works really well for sure. It's uh, it's well designed stuff. So go out to BakerForge.com. Check out what they got left, because if you don't act today, you might not get that piece of steel that could make you look like a real knife maker. Hit it, Brian. You're listening to the Work Forward Podcast. I am Brian House, joined in the studio with my man, Mr. Brian Cone of B-Cone Knives. He himself looks like a real knife maker when he uses Baker Forge a tool. <laughs> Remember, you can look like Brian Cohn and be a real knife maker today <laughs> with that steel. Oh, look boy, like oh one, boy. anyways. <laughs> Dude, and the best thing about it is, you know, you you pair the Baker Forge and tool steel with the Gator Piss. Oh my God! It's it just is it it's a no brainer. It's so easy. You've heard so what nice. I had to say about Gator Piss. It's freaking ingenious, man. It's unbelievable. So that stuff that that's like a whole separate entity for them. But they're if you're not familiar with Gator Piss, I'm sure you are if you're listening to this. But if you're not, it's a formulated, specially formulated mixture for etching. It's an etchant, and they've developed it, and they've bottled it, and they've sold thousands of gallons of this stuff already in their pre-sale and it went so well koi asked me to stop talking about it (laughs) (laughs) really i didn't know that (laughs) he was like you know maybe we should just focus on baker forge for now because i think Uh. they they sold everything they had so but uh, they'll have another batch i assume uh very soon but see that's a good sign when you sell out of all you know everything you've made uh in the first go and I, I know a little bit about that. So 
I've been there. That means that you're bringing value to, you know, the a community and that the people want to support you. So uh, as soon as Gator Piss is back in stock, which I think I don't even know now if they're I'm on their website. I don't see. Maybe they created a whole nother website for Gator Piss. I'm not sure. But I uh, think it oh, was no, no, Gator.Piss. I'm pretty That's sure the website. Oh, OK. OK. No, I'm sorry. It is in stock. It says it. Uh, you can get a gallon of it. It is in stock. And they also have cups and mugs and shirts <laughs> and stickers. <laughs> Let's say Gator Piss on it. I love it. So, yeah, no, it is in stock. I am talking about it, Coy. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just, you know, I got to talk about it because it's great. And uh, I saw that you got some, Brian. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I haven't had the opportunity to use it quite yet, but I've I've just, you look out and see what people are already doing with it. And it's, it's amazing. It really is. I, uh, I have seen some of the stuff that's come out of it, and it looks amazing, too. Yeah, so uh, well done. Well done. All right, so moving forward, it is the last show of the year. Can you believe this, Brian? You yeah, and I have crazy. sat with, like, more than almost 50-some-odd episodes this year together. That's crazy. Uh, and we've, we've, uh, we've seen it all, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been, like, it's been a great year. 2022 is coming to a close. And everybody that, um, for some reason, people like to do this. This is the human part of the human experience where we all say, like, at the end of the year, you know, it's a new year, new calendar year. And um, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution to do uh, something different or improve myself in some way. And in, in the after show, I am going to let you know why I don't do that ritual or that tradition wow. and why it's a bad it's a terrible terrible thing for your mental health and the and and but you have to become a patron to listen to the after show so if you are a patron thank you for your contribution to what we do in our work and we have some we have a hundred and I think it's a hundred and seven or 110 very dedicated people. Who listen to the show every week and then and and for as little as ten dollars and eighty cents a year, if you can do that math, you get fifty-two solid episodes plus all the contributions that Brian puts forth and the WFII uh, interviews that he pushes out a few times a year. So you get all that content, and you get the after show. So you know that's that's something you can you can uh, join up on the Patreon. So you go patreon.com forward slash work for it, like Dennis says at the beginning of the show. And uh, join up there and become a part of the work for a crew. Um, and yeah, I'm going to talk about New Year's resolutions and why I think it's a terrible concept. So, yeah. Speaking of Dennis Tyrell, I feel like we need to give the man some hella kudos right now. Have you seen his gold, gold my chef knife? I've seen it. I have not watched the video yet. I have oh, not had time. But I, I knew about this like seven or eight months ago when it started, like when he, cause he made a first attempt and it failed. Right. And then him and I had a couple of phone conversations. We were talking about forging or we're talking about forges, building forges and stuff. And, um, and he gave me some really good insight on design because he's built a few. And this was before the Apollo. I mean, I was just getting started with the Apollo design and whatever else. And, um, yeah, no, my God, the 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 twenty four karat gold. It was like cost him like fifty five hundred dollars in gold yeah. to put into that thing. Unbelievable, 
unbelievable that he was able to uh, pull it off, which I'm not sure if it's ever been done before. Do you, do you know? I have looked. I've actually looked it up a few times, and I've never seen what anybody put the gold into the seal. I've seen plenty of people inlay or drill holes and, you know, basically do inlays that way. But I've never seen someone actually do a Mai, like a, a like Q Mai, Copper Mai, Bronze Mai. I've never seen one actually laminate it properly. I think he, I really think that he might be the first guy. This is a story of risk and reward. You know, if right. you think about the risk associated, if you've ever made Q Mai, you know how hard it can be initially because of the temperatures. So think about the cost of copper versus the cost of gold and what happens to those metals if you overheat them and then you start to try to forge them together they they go everywhere like it's like not recoverable basically right you know right. and that was his risk and the reward was being able to actually do it at the end and and make something of it and then i'm sure the whole time he's i mean the whole time he's grinding that knife, he's got to be thinking to himself, like the dust in the air. It's like it's like hundreds, hundreds of dollars worth well, of dust, like actually, blowing around. You know, at the very end of the video, he actually pans his grinder dust and gets out oh, a little bit cool. of gr- gold in a little bottle. Yeah, I love but, that. I love that. Yeah, crazy, I haven't had a chance to crazy. watch the video because I've been so busy with remodeling the um, the other building. So, which we're oh, about ready speaking to of to an end. How's that going on over there? I mean, I saw I saw um, Baldman do a reel this morning about grinding up all of that that dust up off the ground, the epoxy floors that you're talking about. Yeah, we just finished that this morning, and that took almost two days to grind the floors to remove the old epoxy flooring. And I made a joke this morning about how if you apply epoxy paint to a floor. There should be some sort of RFID or DNA scanner that we would be able to uh, unearth during the process and find out who applied it and then make them the they have to be the ones that now have to remove it because it is the most ungodly amount of it's you have to rent this big machine it's like a big diamond grinder that grinds the stuff off the floor and it creates an enormous amount of dust and it 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 just it's slow. I mean, it just takes hours and hours and hours to remove it. So now um, let's be fair here. If I remember correctly, didn't you epoxy floor your last shot before you moved I into did. this big one? Well, I hired a team of people to do it and they did a great job, but I would never do it again. And okay. and here and there's a few reasons why. One is your tastes change over time. And secondly, they're never as good as you think they're going to be like it's it's there's always going to be some issue with UV light coming in from an overhead door, which changes the color uh, in the, my last shop. I used too much of the flake. So the flake, like every time you dropped a nut or a bolt or a washer, it would just disappear. It was like camouflage. Right. And then um, and then also, if you drive on it, it there inevitably the hot tires, you know, all that stuff, it's going to pull up. And then oh. you're now you're trying to maintain so my take on workshop floors or even warehouse floors is bare concrete. Don't even apply. It's a floor. Just treat it as such. Uh, it's a floor for utility only. Right. And that's what right. we, we did in this case. And then I would like to add one more caveat to that thing. If, if you are the one that did it and you're dead, then we make your children do it or whoever your <laughs> remaining living heir has to come and actually remove it. So that would be like a 
thing. So like we, cause we researched, like I did a ton of research on, okay, we're going to grind this floor up and I'm going to, you know, put something else down on it, you know? And I started reading reviews and I started going through and it was like every single product had that nightmare story. There wasn't mm. one product that was like five stars across the board. Everybody had a good experience with it. Went to Sherwin Williams and talked to people, you know, Home Depot and stuff. And they're all like, hey, if you don't have to do it, I wouldn't do it. You know, and they and they these are experienced guys. They're all guys that are like, you know, the people that that paint these floors with this epoxy stuff, you know, they're they're tool polishers. You know, they're garage Mahal guys. They, right. you know, they're not actually using that space. They're pulling cards in and out a couple of times a month. They're not doing what you're doing. You're not driving 11,000 pound forklift over it, you know, 10 times a day. Because the other thing was, is I got a quote from a company to come over and, and actually do all this work. $9,000, oh, $9,000, Brian. And, and here's the thing for, for a floor like that in a warehouse where yes, you're going to drive a forklift all over it. If I paid $9,000 to have that floor redone, and if I walk in there after six months of use and there's just nothing but black tracks or the floor, mm. God forbid, the floor is coming up, I think that that would put me in the hospital. Like, I would be so mad that we spent all that money, time, and energy putting something on the floor only to have it get screwed up. So the best choice for me anyway was just grind it down and let the chips fall where they may and let the floor honestly i'm starting to feel like maybe like non-structural epoxy is just becoming a fad that's on the way out because forever it was the wooden epoxy river tables or wooden epoxy handles or these epoxy floors where you put all of the glitter and colors and whatnot um i guess one thing that emily and i were looking at briefly was you get an old like your your kitchen table or not your kitchen tables but like all of your you know, kitchen area, all of the tables in there. I'm I'm com- I'm not coming up with the word right now, but it's all right. I've seen people do like a swirled epoxy and make it kind of somewhat look like marble, but it's just epoxy poured. Yeah. But the thing is, you watch if you watch ten videos, nine of them look like absolute dog shit, and one of them looks oh, kind of yeah. okay. Oh yeah, they look tacky. Yeah, and like you're putting that over, you know, shit wood, so of course that's going to deteriorate quickly so like you're right. okay you're you're spending all this money and all this time doing these epoxy swirls and all these cool pours and shit and it'll look good for maybe five years and then even within that five years that fad's gonna be gone you're just gonna look like a super dated situation where i mean if you just get a normal ass table it's gonna look fine forever remember folks you heard it here first epoxy projects are on their way out and i agree with you brian i think one hundred percent. Like I, I like the the live edge stuff. Like even the stuff like Ben Siegel does. Like that's tasteful. It, it but right. it's really tough to, in a lot of regards. There's it's really tough to make it look not plasticky. And I think yeah. that that's where you are coming from, and I'm coming from too. Even like the river tables and stuff. I'm like over it. I, I just I don't. I think it's 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 time has passed. Well, here's the thing. Like, I've done so many knife handles with that stuff. And, of course, you know, when you get done, you you ooh and ah at it for a couple minutes. But, like, the luster of it. I don't know if maybe I'm just getting jaded after working on so many of them. But, you know, it also, like, I used to get order after order after order of it. And now I barely get any orders of it. I, I'm currently working on a bullet. 
I'm currently okay. working on a Bowie knife that has a, a um, hidden tang on it that has this wooden epoxy as the handle. And I think that's the last one I've got to order for for a while. So, you know, I don't know. I I truly think that it's on its way out. But anyways. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, Brian, tell me more about your week so far. I mean, we've we've gone through the Christmas thing. What's the other side of Christmas look like for you? Uh, I, the, we came in hot and heavy on Monday. So, like, the day before Christmas, or the day before the weekend of Christmas, I should say, because it was... Sunday was Christmas, but like on Friday, Brent and I and Sarah moved everything that was in the other unit to 302, which is where I am all the time, and piled it all up in there. And then wanted to hit it hard with uh, painting. So on Monday, we sprayed the entire interior of the unit, uh, painted it. And then yesterday, we, which is Tuesday, we. Uh, started grinding the floor and we got like a solid 70% of the floor ground down. And then uh, this morning came in, finished the grinding on the floor uh, and started that now they're doing, if you hear the beep of the backup of the beep of the, of the forklift in my microphone, it's because Sarah and Brent are over there right now doing a cleansing, basically using the, the um, leaf blower and they're blowing all the dust off of all the surfaces and they've got nice. big fans over there that are, you know, blowing it into the parking lot. We, and I made a reel about that yesterday where it showed us like blowing all that shit in the parking lot. And you know, there's a couple of guys that like park their trucks in front of my unit and it really Aww. annoys me. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I've kind of mentioned to them like, Hey, you know, sometimes we're over here with a forklift. Like there's no reason for them to park in our, right. in front of our unit. Like there's just no reason they, they park over there cause there's a tree and they want to be in the shade or whatever. And uh, yesterday it was like a winter wonderland in my parking lot, including their trucks. They were covered in this dust, you know, this white dust. And the guy kind of gave me like a shitty look. And I was like, you know, like, bro, you know, we're you don't need to be parking right here. You know, it's like there's tons of parking spaces. I get it. It's a free country. You do whatever you want. But when you come out and there's dust all over your shit, uh, you know, just maybe tomorrow. Think about not parking there. Came in this morning. There they were again, parked right in front. I was like, "You're gonna, get, you're just gonna get it again, do, buddy." Bitch. I mean, and it was funny because you could tell they washed their trucks, you know. So, like, uh, karma's a bitch. What are you gonna oh, do? Oh boy, yeah. So, but uh, so we're doing that. We're grinding out, and uh, we're fini- not finishing the floor. We're just cleaning the floor. So when I get off the podcast, Sarah will have come back with squeegees and buckets. And soap, and we're gonna soap up the floor and all that, and then we can start moving in for real into the new unit. So nice, nice. Yeah, it's like exciting because I'm gonna get half of my workshop back essentially. Nice. So, and then when yeah. you guys are done, you guys can just all come on up here to Michigan. You can help me, you know, do my shop, and we'll get that all great. <laughs> and it'd be nice of you guys. Thanks for offering. Let me ask you this: Did they paint the floors in that garage with oh, epoxy? No, no, Thank it's bare, bare concrete. Good. That's the way you want it. I mean, yeah. you you probably could polish it, but who gives a shit? I mean, you know what I mean. It's it's a workshop. That's why it's going to be covered in grinder dust. Who cares, man? Exactamundo, my man. So, what are you up to? Are you uh, when's when when's the closing again on your new place? So our date is the ninth. The ninth, right. we'll be able to get okay. our keys, and that's if everything everything should be through. All things are checked. All green lights are goed, but. So we're, we are told the ninth is the date. 
So that's that's the day we get to start moving. But mm-hmm. going back to my week in review, um, so Christmas Eve, great, was spent with my family. Actually, a couple days before Christmas, we were able to go over to my parents, and my sister actually drove up from Nashville. She surprised us. Well, I, I personally knew, but my parents had no idea. So um, oh. Emily and I were, you know, hanging out at the pl- at the house, and we're just kind of like twiddling our thumbs like, oh, you know, Sarah's going to show up anytime here, and, you know, it's just going to make my mom cry and, you know, all that fun stuff because, of course, they don't see each other for the entire year until she is able to come up. And she drove up right through the storm that, <laughs> I mean – it's normally like a 10 hour drive or 11 hour drive. And she was, she was driving for like 20 some hours. It was terrible, but, but she made it up and it was all, it was all fun. And you know, all that fun stuff went on, went over to Emily's parents and actually Christmas day, um, Christmas Eve, I started feeling a little bit sick, like just like have a little scratch in the back of my throat, starting to get congested. You could probably hear it a little bit in my voice, but, um, Christmas day, I mean, I was pretty much bedridden for the most most part of the day. I came out for Christmas presents, you know, sat down for, you know, lunch and all that fun stuff, but I slept most of the day and then the day after Christmas I was I was pretty bad as well. So it hasn't been until today that I actually kind of feel relatively okay. And so today we have been spending all day packing stuff up and getting things ready for the move. And, uh, yeah, so I've, it's really weird because, you know, I'm, I'm in my mindset, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, because, you know, you think about yourself at a hundred percent and you're not at a hundred percent because you've been sick for the last couple of days. So you, you do the first couple of things and all of a sudden you're dog tired and you need to sit down for a minute. Yeah. You know, Ugh, I, I had that, that same thing happen, but not, I didn't actually get sick. I thought I was going to get sick and I was planning around it because, so we had Christmas with our kids on Christmas Eve and then Christmas day they spent with their mom. And on Christmas day, I got a text from mom and she was like, yeah, better take your vitamins. Cause Emerson is like, he's 102 fever. He's out. Oh boy. And we were all of course, just hanging out with him the day before. Uh, luckily no, none of us got sick. I mean, cross, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I'll still get it. I don't know. But I started like planning because I'm like, oh, shit, we have all the stuff moved for the renovation. And we were, you know, we had the machine rented and like all this shit. And I'm like, God, I'm going to get sick and then I'm going to leave it for them to do. Um, But it never happened. So I'm so glad for that, you know, knock on wood. But you're right, man. And right now the flu, there's like this two or three day flu going around where you pretty much get better after a couple of days, but you're not 100 percent. So maybe that's what you got. Yeah, that's what I have. We had some leftover COVID tests that I took. You know, just you never know. I'd rather know if you if it is. Oh yeah. But um, so those all came up negative. So it should be set there. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just this you know couple day flu because it it really just knocked me out and it sucked because it was Christmas Day and I'm like no energy. <laughs> yeah, that does suck, man. Oh, I'm Ugh. sorry you got sick. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're on the uptick. So that's good. So Brian House, what was your favorite Christmas present of the year? Oh man, you're gonna make me pick, huh? Yeah, I got, I'm gonna put you uh, right on the spot. Sure. Uh, you know what? I, it was the thing I sent you a photo of. Uh, the uh, I got the Jimmy Duresta knife blank. Yeah. Sarah bought that for me, and I actually texted it to Jimmy and said Merry Christmas and stuff. And 
And he was like, oh, man, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, some of my gifts were from your shop. So, yeah, it, it was really cool. And um, I've got some plans for that thing, so it's going to be pretty neat. I want to display it in my workshop. So Wait, now but, you yeah, got to tell you? me, what's the whole plans? You can't just skip past that. What's the plan? Well, we kind of, like, talked about it. I was like, what if we turn this into an actual knife? You know, it's huge. Like, it's it's like it's like 20 inches long or something like that. Right. It's like turning it into an actual actual kitchen knife. Uh, but I don't want to grind away his logo. So it's mm. like, eh, it's kind of tough, but, uh, could you do like a single funny. beveled? I mean, it'd be weird, Yeah, but you no, know, you could, you could, you could do that. Yeah. I, I thought about that. Like turning it into like a boning knife or butcher knife or something. Like, you could get away with it. I just think, I, I think he already did this by the way. I'm pretty sure he took one of his big knives and made a, or somebody did. I know, I remember seeing it out there. Next Somewhere. question, is it actually hardenable steel or is it hard? Because, I mean, you know, it could nah, be kind of a shitty knife if it wasn't hard. Yeah, well, it would be a display knife. Like if, yeah, for sure. It would definitely not be a functional knife. I think he cuts it, though. Uh, he cut it out of uh, an old mill saw blade, okay. in which case I do think it's hardenable steel. I, I believe it is. Well, he spray paints on his name, so by the time you put that in the forge to harden it anyways, that spray paint would be gone. Yeah, so. I wouldn't do that. I, yeah, what I would yeah, do yeah. is I would just bevel grind it, put a handle on it, and then put it, like, up on the wall. You know, I wouldn't. It, it's just, it's. it would be like a clown knife. The thing is freaking huge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, make, it would make no sense to actually use it as a knife, but... Uh, you know yeah. there's somebody out there who actually uses a knife that big, for sure. Hey, I'm sure there are people that use knives that big for like cutting up tuna and deer or whatever. I don't even know. I mean, geez, this thing is huge, but yeah, it was great. And she got me like a bunch of Duresta pencils. She's like, she went ape shit on his website and bought a bunch of stuff. So nice. Yeah, That's cool. awesome. Yeah. For sure, How about for you? Sure. Would you, anything you in particular you got? That you so, like? I mean, there's, there's quite a few little small knickknacky things, but literally all we asked for this Christmas was either money or like Menard's gift cards for this move. So, ah. you know, it was all just money towards the move and, you know, all that fun stuff. But yeah, Makes so sense. Christmas, Christmas was a lot of cards this year for sure. And I mean, there was a few like shirts and, you know, clothes and stuff like that, but you know, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Well, that's a sure. very sensible Christmas because you know, moving into a house is expensive, especially when you own it. So it's, yeah, for sure. You need all that extra, a little bit of extra padding as far as money goes. And then there's things that you, you think like, I didn't even think I needed this. And now I need it. You know, now you need one of those or whatever. So having a little extra spending cash to move in is great. That's yeah. Awesome, that's going to, that's awesome going to help a lot for sure. For sure. So speaking of needing things and getting their hands on it, I actually remember the last last year or no last show, not last year. We haven't moved into the new year yet. Anyways, last show at the very end, we talked about, you know, what do we want for Christmas most? And I said, I, I want a welder. Well, yes. I may have found myself a nice little deal to get my my hands on a, a MIG welder. OK, so basically I was I was scouring the Internet. Um, last, I was six, I was bedridden. So I, all, the entire time I was looking up welders and, you know, videos on this welder versus that welder, yada, yada, yada. And, um, so basically I came down to it. We got back to Mount Pleasant and I checked on Facebook marketplace locally. And I found a guy that had a MIG welder up for sale and, you know, it was, it was definitely used. He's used it for quite a few years, but it's still in working condition. And, you know, welders tend to last for a while. Yeah. Um, so 
he basically was, I was asking him questions about it and we got talking. It's like, oh, well, what do you do? And I'm a knife maker. Oh, well, cool. Send me a couple of your knives. Sent him a couple knives and he picked one out and we're just doing a straight up trade. Dude. Boom. There it is. Yeah. What a great trade. So yeah, it's a it's a MIG welder. It's it's 110 volt. It's not it's definitely not a welder that's going to last me or be my main welder forever. I'm going to upgrade down the line, but I think that this will be a, you know, nice little it's it's fairly beat up. It's used. It's it's seen it's seen its, you know, use. But I will be able to learn how to weld on a machine that, you know, I don't have to baby, you know. I don't have to feel like you know, oh, I, I really need to, I mean, I'm, of course I'm going to take care of it, but you know, I don't know. I've like, when I, when I got my first, or when I just started forging, I bought the Harbor Freight Anvil because I figure with my forging stuff, I'm going to misuse it. I'm going to chip a corner. Wouldn't it be terrible if I bought a big or a, a nice, well-used or used old ancient anvil? It would suck if I learned on that and chipped off, you know, corners off of that. Why not learn on a Harbor Freight where if it gets beat up, it's a $50 piece of shit. I can throw that thing out and buy a new one if it, if need be. So I learn all of my, the big mistakes trying to, you know, figure it out on a machine that, you know, it's, it's not that bad. I don't know. I'm, I, I I'm just, I'm saying. excited about it. I know it. what you mean. Yeah. I just, I'm, I don't know whether it's, you know, whether I should have started with MIG or if I should have got a flux score. So it's a little more simple. What do you think about that situation? Would you, if you were to buy your first welder, you know absolutely nothing about it. What would you What would you be looking for? Uh, it's, uh yeah. I well, I guess when you first start welding, you you don't really know any of those answers. You know, you just you just got to get what you can afford, basically. Which is, uh, you know, my first welder. I was a little late in the game. You know, I bought that probably like. I don't know, five, six years ago or something. And it was a Hobart. And I knew there were certain things that I really wanted because I had done a ton of research. And one of them was the ability to run flux core or solid core uh, metal uh, in a MIG because it gives you the option of using a shielding gas if you go solid core. And and a shielding gasket, it's a cleaner weld, less smoke, usually less spattered. It just really depends on you know what you're using it for so those are the couple of things that i was looking for and a higher voltage to be able to mm. do thicker steels you know i wanted to be able to do quarter inch three eighths half inch if i wanted to and that's why i got the handler the hobart handler 190 uh that particular welder now though is like over uh, i think it's 1100 dollars or something like that now and See, it's expensive yeah that's a thing as i was looking at multi-process machines but realistically with all this move happening i i had about three hundred dollars that i could set aside for this project or for getting a welder so at this point i i'm going to have to do a single you know single use machine or get a chinese off-brand where something breaks i'm screwed yep so i don't know my my take on the multi-process thing it might not be a um it might not be a, a popular opinion, but I believe that each machine, like f- like you should have a TIG welder to do TIG. You should have a MIG welder to do MIG and a stick welder to do stick. Why is that? I'm not a, I, I just feel like if you can, it's a luxury, of course, but, you know, adjusting all the settings and you can kind of keep them where you want them, want them to be 
and you can, you know, like I bought a big MIG welder this year and it was, I don't know, $2,500 or something like that. It was not the most expensive one on the, on the menu, but it was definitely up there. And a couple of people said, well, you know, for 2,500 bucks, you get a multi-process. It'll do everything. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, my, my thought was always, you know, I want my MIG to be set up for MIG always and just be able to turn it on and go. And I want my TIG to be set for TIG always instead of swapping hoses and uh, shielding gases and all of that. So now I have the luxury, you know, I can just turn on my MIG welder and run it, turn on my TIG and run it. And, you know, it's, it's like that. That's my personal opinion. However, if you're a hobbyist, a, a multi-process unit, man, makes great sense because of space and efficiency and cost. But for somebody who does it like what we do, which is a ton of prototyping and some production work, it's nice to have the, you know, the machine ready on the ready and just be able to go. I feel like my use case is going to be, you know, in the short term, it's going to be building a bunch of tables and fixtures and, you know, get things off the ground and, you know, that type of a thing where basically all I need to do, I, I mean, honestly, I, I could have gotten by with a cheap flux core and been totally fine with it. Um, I guess in the future, I would love to be able to weld together some Damascus billets, you know, stack yeah. and weld and stick and kerosene and pound on it and all that fun stuff. So, you know, honestly, I'm not going to be welding something that goes to somebody because of the, like, there's, in no case am I going to build something and the structural rigidity of the weld is going to be the use case of a customer someday. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah, I know so, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, see, but the problem is, is like I'm ignorant of all this stuff and I don't know what I don't know. Well, and your needs change over time too. So, you know, yeah. as you as you grow in with welding, and you figure out how useful it is, you know, like someone explained it to me. Um, it was like, they see their lives as, uh, before welding and after welding mm. and no joke in their maker career. It was like learning how to weld. It opened so many doors to so many different things that it's like it getting was just, car keys. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like that transition from, you know, living with mom and dad to moving out on your own. You know, mm. like that kind of life changing shit. And I totally agree. It, when I picked up my first, I mean, I've welded when I was young, when I was like a kid, my dad showed me how to use a flux core welder. I was terrible at it, but I could do it in a stick welder, um, straight up arc welding or whatever. It was fine. It worked, but it was, I was, no one ever formally trained me. And then when I got the Hobart like six years ago, I started like, you know, getting on YouTube University and watching people do it. And then I started practicing and, you know, with anything, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you, you want to try different things. It became abundantly clear how much I would fall in love with metalworking. And it was due to in fabrication due to, you know, learning how to weld. And, yeah. I, you know, I feel like I got that power in my hands now. Like I can build and make anything, you know, you want that you want to have something made, uh, you know, find out how much it costs and then deduct the cost of a welder and go learn how to weld and then do it yourself. That's mm. the way I looked at it. So, you know, think about my mezzanine. I mean, all the grinders, if you think about how much money that welder has made me over the years, it's like, it's just unbelievable. Like it's just learning how to weld that one thing changed my, the, the entire trajectory of my life. 
And yeah. so I think it might do something similar for you, actually. I think you'll enjoy it as well. For sure, for sure. And I'm also really lucky. Actually, the if you remember my first getting into knife making story, there was that guy I worked with at Target who basically said, let's, ma- let's make a knife on the weekend. He recently yeah. just graduated from Central here in town. And he has a job that is also here in town. And it's all, you know, he's all manufacturing all that fun stuff. He's on the welder all the damn time. Luckily, you know, now that now that my shop's going to be in here in town and it's not an hour drive both ways, he said that basically, basically on the weekends, he's going to be over, you know, making knives with me, working with me. And then also he's going to be able to teach me how to properly weld and give me like the you know, the fast track to making solid welds. So yeah, I'm very lucky with you with Brad here in town to be able to like be my mentor and kind of get me over that initial learning curve. That is very valuable to have somebody sit with you and show you super valuable, super important. So yeah, you'll, you'll pick it up pretty quick. MIG welding is, is fairly easy. And that's when you ask me what you should get. That's it's the, by far the most versatile in my opinion. Honestly, it was, It was your advice saying that I should go with a MIG welder that made me pull the trigger on this trade because I was looking at the Lincoln, I forget, it's, it's, I lost it, but there's a little Lincoln welder that is just flux core. And it's a little over the shoulder, 18 pound total. Basically, it's, it's a pretty, it's a good starter welder if you're just looking for a metal glue gun, is how I had to explain to me. Yeah. But because you said I should go with MIG, you know, hey, let's let's make this trade happen and maybe it'll last five years and that'll be just fine. Lincoln has an excellent reputation, so it might last you a lot longer than you think. Hey, here's to hoping for sure. For sure. Here's to hoping. All right. Well, good. Is that is that your shop update for the the week? Because, you know, we could move into WFI projects. I got a, I got a whole bunch in here. You all have been busy. Yeah, they working. have. I was honestly expecting to go on to hashtag WFI projects and not really see a whole lot because everyone's with, with their family on Christmas. Why? But people are spending a lot of time in their workshops. For sure. For sure. Well, the Number first one, one oh, I want, I, I, I'm going to take the first one because I don't want you to steal it because I think you're going to steal it. It's germs. Metal works. Were you going to steal that one? Absolutely. It was. <laughs> I knew it. And uh, and just so you're aware, very soon, pretty much everything you see coming out of Germs Metalworks Workshop will be made on a revolution because he bought go. himself a Gen 5. So, man, this feather pattern, I don't even know what to call this knife. It is insane. You can just tell this guy understands the process and the material and he has design aesthetic. It's so strong. It's it's just like it to me. It just sings to my soul. So uh, it's an amazing piece. So check out Germs Metalworks. All one word. He has, believe it or not, only sixteen hundred and eighty eight followers right wow. now, and he should have sixteen million billion followers in sure. my opinion. Well, I'll go ahead and pull one out. I've got Wangle's Workshop. Of course, we talk about Cole all the time. He's a great, great, great. That was going to be my number two, by the way. Yeah, that this, was my number this, two. This uh, mono steel chef knife with the green stabilized handle, like stabilized wood handle. Um, I just love the fact that this, it just looks so classic. It looks like a knife that you'd be able to pull out of, you know, any, any 
any kitchen out there, if it's if it looks like a knife that's been around for a long time, this looks like that design. It's just so classic, but it's got I don't know what to say about it other than it's just so well done and he's got it angled where it looks like he's holding it up and reflecting the gray sky and you can't see a scratch anywhere. There's it's just so pristine. I don't, Cole, dude, you're you're killing it right now. Go check out Wangle's Workshop. He's a great guy. Wangle's Workshop. Uh, that one actually wasn't the knife that I was going to pick. I was going to pick the one uh, that he posted in mid-December. It's like an EDC. Um, it uh, looks like Buckeye Burl or something. I don't know exactly what the handle material is. Hold on. I think he mentions it. Uh, no, he doesn't. But uh, it's got like a swedge on the top. And it, it's just just a cool classic looking knife. And he leaves he does this thing where he leaves the brute to forge look, but it's only like right as it transitions into the tang. Mm. And it's just beautiful piece. It, it, you know, he's got uh, orange G10, orange and black G10 liners on that thing, too. So mm. uh, and he's he's my man. He's a Florida boy. He, right. Right here in Florida. Making them knives. <laughs> sure enough. Right by the alligators. We got there, Brian. What you want me to make? Pull another one out here? Okay. Oh, oh, right, because you did the other. I did the other knife. I was waiting for you. I was like, "What is he doing here?" I thought. Hold on, I got you. I got you. Apparently, you're not paying attention. What's going on? New underscore forest underscore forge. I mean, he is making these K-tip chef knives, and this is a picture of one of his monosteel K-tip chefs, but he says he's he's doing um, a forced patina on it, and it, I don't know what it, oh my goodness, it's it's absolutely crazy because it really looks like it's some sort of a, like, random Damascus. The way he's got this this pattern of a forced patina on it, where he stills he still left quite a bit of the, the natural, the surface of the steel, um, I, I don't know what to say other than it really looks like Damascus, but I'm sure it's at the price point of a mono seal because there's no Damascus in it. But very, very clean work. He's always done really clean work. I also just love his stamp with that, just the the uh, stag's head with the with the antlers going straight up. Oh, it's just it's classic. It really is. It looks good. Yeah, his uh, his force patinas. I wonder if he does that with mustard. It almost looks like. That I'm reading through. Right. He's he's got quite a bit of a paragraph here. It doesn't really say here what he's doing to do a force patina, but it's working for him. Yeah, yeah. It could be that, or maybe does ferric and lets it dry. I've seen guys do that. Have you ever seen that where they dip it in ferric for a while, and then they'll hang it and just leave the ferric on it, and it like oh. corrodes everything. Yeah, and then they take that and clean it up, and it looks like this. I guess I've so never seen it. that. I've I've always like I've had a knife where I'm I'm dipping I'm dipping knives and all of a sudden I hang one up and forget to bring it bring it back down and I see that it's corroded. What I've always done is I've just ground it clean and then re etch it. <laughs> Maybe I should experiment well, yeah. with that next time. Uh, I have seen what it looks like when you do this, and uh, there's a couple of guys. DG Blades, he's another Florida boy. Uh, DG Blade Co. on Instagram. And he did a whole walkthrough of his force patina on his EDC knives because it's really unique looking. And it looks like something like right out of Lord of the Rings. Like when you mm. see like a knife that like the one of the orcs or somebody would have where it looks like it's just been sitting like in a bog for a hundred years. And 
and he does that with ferric. He like leaves the ferric on the surface overnight, like lets it dry and then wow. cleans it up and then blues the knife. It's really, really interesting. And he walks you through the whole process. So go check out DG Blade Co. His stuff is stellar. Stellar. I don't think he listens to the podcast, but that's all right. He's, well, he's missing out. That's all I have to say about that. I've got another one that everyone needs to stop what you're doing and go and follow this guy. Whitmore underscore knives. That's W H I T M O R E underscore knives. This guy is at 42 followers. Let's see just how strong the work for it podcast shout out is. I want to see next week where he's at. He right, has look him up. Look him up. Whitmore. Yep. Uh, t- tight, spell it again. Whitmore. W H I T M O R E underscore right. knives. Philip Whitmore. I got it. Okay. He's got this cleaver. It looks like a pretty massive cleaver. It looks like it's going to be really a workhorse in the kitchen someday. But I love the fact that he's left a little bit of brute to forge up on the top, but he hasn't like left way too much. It's, it looks clean. It looks classic. It's a great design. Man, it's just worth a follow for sure. But I love to see the fact that, I mean, he, let's see, how many posts does he have? 40 posts. He's still pretty new to things. And you can kind of go back and see a lot of his designs as he's first getting into it. He's done a couple other cleavers, it looks like. But this one that he's just post is the cream of the crop of what he's made so far. Really well done. It looks great. Not only that, as you can tell, he took the time and he made a light box to yeah. take the photos in, and he put it with some vegetables. He chopped like the and, and he put some jimping on this blade, which I really like. I've never seen jimping on a uh, on a cleaver before. Well, done. holy cow! Yeah, I just I just zoomed into the spine, and I'm seeing that jimping now too. Yeah, yeah, that's no interesting. Joke. Interesting yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm going to shout out one more, a patron of ours, Bobby over at Reaper Metalworks. Yeah, dude, this little micro cleaver, I think is what he's calling these. They're freaking great. I love mini cleavers. They're just so I do too. It's like, to me, it's just like, it's a perfect box cutter. It does like everything you could want it to do. It's a great little knife to keep in your pocket. And he just surpassed a thousand followers, thousand eighteen followers on Instagram. Reaper Metalworks, all one word. Bobby, who is my co-admin of the DIY Belt Grinders and Machines group on Facebook, he does a great job over there. He's smart, he's funny, and goddamn it, he's handsome. <laughs> Go check him out. Sure, sure. Speaking of our, you know, Patreon supporters, I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure he's a Patreon supporter, isn't he? He is. Yes. Do we definitely. have a couple new ones this year? Because I, or this year, this, this show, because I thought you said that we were up to a hundred and ten. Let me look. Nope. Go ahead we don't up. have any new ones. I thought we did, but we didn't. I may, I must've miscalculated that, but yeah, Trey Scott of TS Steelworks, uh, LLC is our last patron. Uh, he was one Oh seven. So yeah, we're still we're still floating at 107 and if you want to become a patron, if you got value or entertainment out of this show, you can add to that value and entertainment by uh by joining Patreon. So you go to patreoncom it, and for as little as $10.80 a year, you can get the after show where I will discuss why I think these 
year-end resolutions or these New Year's resolutions are bad juju. Bad <laughs> juju for you. So, um, yeah. So that that will be what we discuss today on the after show. And Speaking uh, like of said, them. Speaking of so speaking of these New Year's resolutions, have you always never done New Year's resolutions or is this kind of a more recent thing? Uh, no, I've tried it before and this is how I know. And then also, I mean, this is my own personal opinion, of course, you know, sure. so it's, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt, but I'm probably the smartest guy, you know, so <laughs> thinking back, what filled was with wisdom <laughs> Sure, filled with something? It, it, it might be wisdom. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, get so, deep in here. That's not that not even the first time that has been said to me today. Alone, <laughs> like this is a constant theme. Uh, yes. So, thinking back to the New Year's resolutions that you did in the past, what was the worst one you ever did? You know, the classic, which is I'm going to exercise and get into shape. That that's the worst one that I think. And that's the one that people always pick, you know, they're like, I'm going to join a gym and I'm going to go do this. And that's, that was the one I think that set me, it sent me into really digging into why we do this tradition mm. and how ridiculous it is and terrible it is for you. So all the way growing up, even since like elementary school, when they say like sit you down, like, okay, today you have to write out what your new year's resolution is. Ever since I was really little, little my new year's resolution was to not do a new year's resolution. I <laughs> always hated resolutions. It just feels like a chore that you're trying to put upon yourself where if you need to do it, you're going to fucking do it. So why do I need to publicly state, you know, what my New Year's resolution is? And like, you know, I've I've been put on the spot before and I just make up something bullshit because I don't want to have this conversation. But ugh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think. Yeah, I don't want to say too much because I'm definitely going to do a brain dump in the in the after show. On it. But, uh, yeah, it's oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking go. I'm just gonna tell you exactly what I think of it all. So oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, and it might be a little and bit. Some of you, some of you may not like what I have to say, and, oh. and it's like and it's 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 gonna be a little tough love in the after show. So. Man, I feel like I'm spoiling the after show a little bit. Maybe maybe we need to back off. I don't know. <laughs> well, how about this? I'll switch gears and we'll do a dad joke. How about that? Sure. We can do that. All right. This one comes from my man, Steve Grillo. I just love Steve Grillo's contrib- contributions to our show because he's got filling me up with dad jokes every day. So um, my dad farted in an ele- elevator. Oh, yeah? It was wrong on so many levels. That's that's it. That's a good dad joke. There it is. Uh, there it is. Uh, I, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do another one. It's the year end thing. We'll do this. I'll do another one because he sent me a couple. What do you call a constipated detective? What do you call him? No shit, Sherlock. Someone asked me to name two structures that hold water. I was like, well, damn. <laughs> Getting worn out over there on that trombone, Brian. 
So, all right. So, listen. All right. So, 55 minutes in, I'm going to start the close out of the show because I got a bunch of shit I got to accomplish the rest of the day. And I'm sure you do, too. And if you're listening to this, you know what it's like to work for it. And you know what it feels like to earn something, to go out and every single day of your life push harder for your goals. And that's why you listen to the show, because we resonate. We're like a tuning fork for success. And that's why we are all friends in the internet world, because there's so few of us left that truly believe in the concept of hard work and having that convert into good habits, which eventually convert to money, happiness, and success. I appreciate you all. I know you're out there doing the best you can do. This is the last day of the year or close to it anyway. If you're listening to this, just know that I appreciate you and all your support in 2022. And I cannot fucking wait to see what happens in 2023. Let's make it the best year yet right here on Workforce. Brian, appreciate you. Ben, we miss you. Work for it, guys. Can you fucking believe it? I killed the after show. I killed the ending of the show. Yeah, we I did. killed it, Brian. I fucking did it. <laughs> now Fuck we just yeah. need to do that every single time. I feel like we're getting into a groove here. Love <sighs> it. See, this is what happens. We get cocky, and then the next one, we're going to blow it. <laughs> of course. That's, that's just how it goes. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it, and I know it, that we're going to blow it. <laughs> we're blowing what now come on now come on <laughs> all right on to the after show let's do it <laughs>